Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. And so here another command. God says, come out from among them and be separate. That's as clear as it's going to get. God says, look, come out from among them. Come out from among who? Come out from among your unbelieving friends. Come out from among the relationships that you don't belong in. If you're here and you're in a relationship as a single person with a non-believer, God would say to you, come out from among that. Stop that. It's not my will for your life. It'll never be. I'll never bless it. Stop it. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you of an important truth for the body of Christ. The Bible says that Christians are not to be of the world, but rather merely in it. Over the years, this has morphed into a holier-than-thou mindset for some, thinking that they're put on some kind of pedestal for following Jesus. This isn't the case. This command is a reminder to Christians that we aren't to participate in the things of the world that could soil our testimonies as believers. We're called to share the gospel. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as he continues his message, Set Apart. I, I love my non-believing friends and family. I love them. I, I love them. I care for them. I want badly to see them know the Lord. Best thing I could do is be a witness for them, be an example. Uh, share with them, but live it in front of them. Uh, worst thing I could do is want so bad to have their friendship that I start laying down my own convictions and my own sense of what I'm called to be and who I'm called to be. Because now I, I lay enough of that down and I look so much like them that why would they ever join me? I look just like them. I behave just like them. So what communion has light and darkness? Absolutely none. Verse 15, what accord has Christ with Bilal, right? That word accord, that's what we speak about. Married couples want to be on one accord, want to be of the same heart, the same mind, moving in the same direction. Um, when you look at a church leadership, a church as a whole, you want to have a church on one accord, all of the same heart and same mind, moving in the same direction. He says, what accord is Christ and Bilal? Bilal is another name for Satan. What accord, what, what do Christ and Satan have in common? Absolutely nothing. There's nothing that, like Satan, that's like Christ. They're, they're, they're not the same. They don't have any accord. They're not, they're not working together on anything. And God says that's what it should look like, right? There should be that level of distinction between you and the world. What, what accord do I have with none? None. I'm a witness to them. There's no accord between Christ and Satan. The next one he says, or what part, what part has a believer with an unbeliever, right? I'm a believer. What part do I have with an unbeliever? Again, there should be none. I don't have a part. Um, we don't have, we don't share anything together, believer and non-believer. We're, we're in two separate categories. One's born again, one's not. One's a child of God, one's a child of the devil. One's going to heaven, one is not going to heaven. We don't have anything in common, but here's the deal. We have a lot that we're supposed to offer. We have a lot that we're supposed to represent to them. But what Paul is telling them here, they, the Corinthians, I believe, had, were, were still immersed in the Corinthian culture in such a way that Paul said, you guys, God wants to call you guys out. God wants you to be separation. He doesn't want you unequally yoked up with them in marriage and business. He doesn't want you guys having fellowship or being in one accord, just becoming just like them. How can you be like them and witness to them? You can't. And, and what God's going to say as he finishes here, he's going to call us a separation. But what I want to do is um, before we moved on, I wanted to give some other verses because the Bible has a lot to say about Christians and our fellowship. Right. Who we who we end up in relationship with. And I'm a, I'll just say this, this is from my own life. Um, over a lifetime, you gain relationships in different ways. Everybody here has relationships that that you didn't choose. Um, your family. That's you got people that have lifetime relationships based on just who you were born to. 
Uh, some of us have long-term friendships, people that we grew up with, that we've known for so long. Um, friendships are something that we we choose. Uh, we have some say-so in. I don't have a say-so in my neighbors, my people that my coworkers, my people that go to school with me or live next to me, but I do have say-so with my friends. And so I want to give us these verses. The Bible says, just give us insight about um, how we're to make those decisions. Who gets to be my friend? Who gets to be in that intimate space in my life? I can be friendly to everybody. And I can be loving to everybody. But who gets to be my friend? Who, who are the people that get to be in that space? Uh, I want you to write these verses down. Have them for yourself later on. Psalm 1-1. The psalmist says in Psalm 1-1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And I want you to go back and listen to that. He says, blessed is the man, that word blessed means, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy is the man who, one, doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So I'm not taking counsel from people that don't know God. Or I'm not taking counsel from people that know God, but the counsel they're given is not from God. Because believers give ungodly counsel too. So um, we're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. We're not standing in the path with sinners, not hanging out with those that don't know him, not sitting in the seat of the scornful. God said that's what the blessed man, the oh, how happy. That's how his life, the, that he, he had, it's something to do with who he's not hanging around with. Uh, and it goes on from there. The next verse, write down Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. Uh, Proverbs 12, 26 says the the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked will lead him astray. The righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked will lead him astray. And once again, I choose my friends. Right? Everybody here, whatever, whoever your friends, you've chosen them. I choose you as a friend. I choose you. It says you should choose your friends carefully for the way of the wicked will lead you astray. Um, it's a reality, you know. Um, I can I can be friendly to everybody, but I do need to be careful about who I choose to have as my friends. Um, Proverbs thirteen twenty says, uh, "He who walks with wise men will himself be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed." He who walks with wise men will himself be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Here's something that I I, I would say this to you know married couples, younger married couples, you know. You want to walk with people that are like that are at least heading in the same direction. And we want to have some people to walk with that are there where we want to be. Right. Uh, one of the things that was really a blessing and benefit to me and Mika when we were early in our marriage is God brought us into a fellowship where there were some married couples that were, were much further along than we were. And they gave good counsel. Right. Um, I remember my wife getting counsel and coming home and I'm like, what happened to you? And I was like, whatever they told you, you go back and let her tell you some more. Just, that was good counsel. You know, I mean, I was getting counsel. I had I had a guy sit down with me and just, you know, say, hey, man, you're here. too." He saw me at church. And he said, man, you're, you're here. He got a wife. So, yeah, how many kids you got? So we got two. And we have I think she was pregnant with Billy at the time. And he said, how many days a week are you down here? And I was like, oh, I'm here for this. And I was gung ho. I was like, I was on fire. I'm like, I'm here for this study on this day. Bible college on these nights. Midweek that night. He said, yeah. He says, well, he, and I remember he said, he says, you could be here so many days learning how to be a man of God that you're never home to be one. He said, you should go take your schedule to your wife and see what days, you know, she wants back and, you know, let her have a say in that. And I had never thought of it till he said it, but I went home and did it. And, and she, she had a few days that she wanted back. And, and that was it was good for my marriage. You know, she thought she was being a good Christian wife, just letting me be. But early on, it was like, man, that was great counsel. I'm so glad that he bothered 
to get in my business and say, hey, it's good what you're trying to do, but go home and that, that man of God you're here learning about, go home and be him for a few days a week. They, they need him over there, you know? <laughs> so somebody else need to see that fella, you know? So, um, you know, if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. And so um, I always, I discourage, you know, a lot of times when younger couples get married, you know, when you were single, all your friends were probably single. Then you get married. Um, is it a good idea for a young single person to be going out with all, but young single guy, young married guy, I'm sorry. Is it a good idea for him to be going out with all his single friends? An old married guy. Is it a good idea for him to be going out with all his old single friends? No. A young single lady, right? We're going to have girls night. All your girls are single. You stay until at home. You know, you don't need to be out with all the single girls. You know, that, that time is over. You go out with your husband or your, or your wife or whatever. This is not a, it's not, it's not a good idea, right? He who walks with wise men will be wise. The companion of fools will be destroyed. Those are just decisions that we have to make in wisdom. Um, to, to walk the right way, to walk with the right people. And it's, it's healthy to find some people that are, that are going in the same direction you're going, but also find some people that are where you want to be. You know, there's some men that I look up to, pastors. Um, there's some men that I look up to them in their marriage. And, you know, I seek them out. You know, I want to I talk to them and I want to receive counsel from them. I'll, I'll bring stuff to them. They can speak into my life and give me wisdom. I don't know it all. Um, but I, I, I love to see someone that's where I want to be. You know, please tell me how you got there. You know, you've been married 50 years. Cause I'm about to hit 20, but I'd like to hit 50. So, you know, tell me how you, how you, how you get to 50, you know, you know, what, what do I have to do to get there? And the good counsel, do I want to take marriage counsel for somebody that, 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 you know, they, they're on, they're, they're failing in marriage number four. No, you know, I, you, you can tell me what not to do. <laughs> you know, you can tell me, you can, you can tell me what not to do, but I don't really want counsel from you. So, um, that's Proverbs 13, 20, um, Amos 3, 3, how can two walk together? Lest they be agreed. Um, they can't. Cannot. Can't walk together unless you're in agreement. You know, if uh, if, if Clint and I were going to leave church today and Clint's like, hey, I'm going to go over over here to Snowballs on Slauson. I'm like, well, I'm going over here to, you know, Starbucks down that way. You know, well, can we walk together? No, we got to go separate because if, if one of us going to change directions or we can't walk together. And the same idea, right? If I'm walking with God, right, that's what I'm called to do. I'm walking with God and you're not. We can't walk together. You ain't walking with God. I'm trying to go to church Sunday morning. You're trying to get me to go to whatever. I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to do right. And, and you're inviting me to. We can't walk together. And for some people, it's, it's just some Christians feel like, I just seem so mean. How, how, again, while you worried about hurting their feelings, what is that doing to the Lord? Right. Nobody thinks about him. We think about everybody else. I learned a long time ago, I'd rather hurt everybody else's feelings and be right with God and be talked about and people feel some kind of way than to not be right with God and be right with all these people that don't even know. Sometimes we can worry too much about being right with people that they don't even know God. They don't even know right from wrong yet. I can't worry about being right with them. That could be family. That could be friends. It could be relate, you know, whatever. You want to be right with God at the end of the day. Amen. Last one is 1 Corinthians 15, 33. And uh, it's one of the do not be deceived from Paul. He says, do not be deceived. Evil company or bad company corrupts good habits, good morals. Um, Paul never says don't be deceived in an area where people are not being deceived. So there are people that feel like, no, you know what? I'm the exception to the rule. I can hang out. I'm strong. I'm my, my wall. I can hang out with them and I'm not affected by it in the least bit. Wrong. 
Because the Bible says, let God be true and every man or what? Liar. So if God says, don't be deceived, bad company, evil company, corrupts good character, you will not be the exception to the word of God. Bad company will corrupt your good character too. Um, I, you know, before when, you know, when I, before I got saved, one of the things I, I used to, me and my friends, we rapped. Uh, I had a group of guys, we used to rap at, up at Dominguez Hills, and you know, it was all bad, it was foul, filthy stuff, and so when I got saved, I put that away. I had a friend that we used to rap together at Dominguez, and he went to the military. And a couple years later, he came back down. He came to visit me at my dad's house. And, you know, I'm saved now. I've been walking with the Lord. Everything's been going good. And, you know, he came over. And it it seemed like it was just a few minutes with two guys I knew from the past. And we're out there talking. And then he puts on the beat that we used to do the one song. He was like, he started doing his part. And then I jump in and start doing my part. And then I listen to the stuff come out of my mouth. And I'm like, man, what did I I haven't cussed in months, you know, I made my, my vocabulary been clean and I'm like, just that quick, you know, and I realized a couple things. One, but you real weak, you're weak. I was weak at that. I was very weak, which was okay. It's okay to be weak. You just need to recognize it. You know, another thing it was like, man, I just can't hang out. Like I just, I, now I feel dumb. Now I feel like, you know, now after doing that, did I feel like being a witness? No. I felt stupid. I'm like, now I just, man, I just said the, is it all these kind of words and stuff? I'm not even, I'm not even there anymore, but I sound like I'm there again. And, you know, it was a failure. It was like one of those moments. Boom. And the Lord just saying, you got to come out. You can't just, you just got to, you got to come all the way out. You're not going to be hang out with the old guys. Not right now. Um, cool thing was this, right? There would be a season of time that God called me away from everybody and everything. I think so I could be strengthened, so I could really develop my relationship with the Lord. But what God let me do, eventually God did let me go back. Um, God let me go back to all my friends, all the guys I grew up with. God let me go back and share. Um, That's actually how we started the fellowship. Uh, We started this fellowship at Andre's grandmother's house. And God, you know, this is this goes way back when I first got saved. I was maybe a little overzealous. And so there was a house, my buddy's house that everybody would go to to smoke and drink. And I remember going over there and guns are blazing. You know, I still have my respect among my peers. I'm like, I went over like I, I want everybody to hear me out. And and they did. And I, I went and shared with the room full of guys. And it was Dre and Jimmy. You know, they, they were they were there. They, they had been brought up in the Lord. So they were like they out of respect. They like they put the stuff down, put the thing away. And, and they were they were like receptive. And I'm like, I felt like I got through the two. I got two of them agreed and I I was I left. I was like, man, God is using my life, you know, so I popped back up another night. Everybody was right back to everything. And I'm like, you know, I was I'm just discouraged. Like God's not using it. But later on, it would be those two, you know, Dre and Jimmy, who God was still working on them. And, um, you know, Dre was getting over some stuff. He's like, man, if we could just I'm going to call all the old friends, all the old homies and I'm going to call them over here. And then you come you come share the gospel. And he called everybody over to his grandma's house and we went and that was day one. And we I shared testimony, shared the gospel, had food. And they were like, hey, can we do this more like every other week? And we did it every other week for about a year. And then I had to stop for some other stuff at the church I was at. Then we started it back up again. And that was a group of people that we started the fellowship with. And so here's my point. If, if I had stayed with them, hanging out with them, doing everything they were doing, I don't believe I could have ever went back and had anything to say and be heard. Um, but there was at least a witness. Life had been separated. Um, they knew what I had been doing. They knew I wasn't there anymore. And, and then the Lord later on, God will use it. And so sometimes, you know, the people that you're worried about hurting, um, let them be hurt, right? Maybe later on you'll get to go back and help. 
but you can't help them while being just like them. And there was definitely a period of time where there was no way I could have hung out and been a witness. I'd have hung out until the right drink came out and then I would have been, oh man, I messed up my witness again. You know, I just couldn't do it. So it's, it's uh, there's wisdom in, in knowing, even as a believer, like I got weaknesses. If you keep failing in the same area, that's a weakness. So don't set yourself up to fail. And if setting up yourself up to fail is being with the wrong people, being in the wrong places, doing then, then eliminate all those things that you're doing that create opportunities for you to fail. Um, and you have that responsibility yourself. Amen. All right. So uh, moving on now, let's look at the, the last part of Second um, of Corinthians six. Verse 16, we already said, he said, uh, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Um, basically, you are the temple of God, right? First Corinthians 3.16, God says, you are. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? God lives in you, right? In the Old Testament, God dwelt in an actual physical temple. New Testament, God says, you're my temple. I live inside of you. And so when he says here, what, what, what agreement does a temple of God have with idols? None. We have nothing in common with idols. Um, God hates them. He's uh, idolatry. It's a sin. And he says, for you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, and now we give some quotations. He says, I will be, I will dwell with them and walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. God here says, look, I'm going to dwell in them. I'm going to be among them. I'm going to be their God. And they're going to be my people. As he calls us out, this is what he wants to accomplish. He wants to accomplish unity and fellowship and oneness with us. God said, I call you away from the world and out from them. I want us to be intimate. Right? I'm going to dwell inside of you. I'm going to have an intimate. You're going to have an intimate relationship with the living God. Who would trade that for some friend, for some some stuff in the world? Some of us unknowingly would. But I think when we think about it, God's like, like this is what I'm offering. I want to I want to have intimacy with you. I want to dwell with you. That word dwell means to settle down and be at home. God said, I want us to be close. I want us to I want to settle down and be at home in you and with you. I want us to have that sort of relationship. I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. If you're writing notes, um, there's a that one quotation comes from three different Old Testament scriptures. And I think they typed them up earlier. Yes, there they go right there. So you can write those down for yourself in your notes. Um, I'm going to go into verse 17 while you guys are writing those. Therefore, he says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so here another command. God says, come out from among them and be separate. That's as clear as it's going to get. God says, look, come out from among them. Come out from among who? Come out from among your unbelieving friends. Come out from among the relationships that you don't belong in. If you're here and you're in a relationship as a single person with a non-believer, God would say to you, come out from among that. Stop that. It's not my will for your life. It'll never be. I'll never bless it. Stop it. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And then God makes these declarations, these promises. He says, um, one more command. He says, don't touch what is unclean. I'm sorry, but I forgot that. Um, what is unclean? Because God says, don't touch it. Don't touch what is unclean. That could be relationships. That could be habits. That could be, there are many things that fall under the, under the auspices of, of, of unclean. Things that are unclean, these are not right in God's sight. These are things that are, they, they contaminate you, they defile you. That could be sexual sin, that could be drugs and alcohol, that could be being greedy for money and resources and things that you have no business. God says, don't touch what is unclean. Stop that. Repent of that. Lay that down. And he says this, he says, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. 
Some people believe that we're all by default God's kids. And it's just not true. You know, um, you'll hear people say that, you know, we should love everybody, everybody. We're all God's kids. And unfortunately, right, it's not true. It sounds mean, but it's not true. We're all human beings, right? But we're not all God's kids. You're not by default a child of God. How do you become a child of God? You're adopted into the family of God. Jesus died on the cross. And for those that believe, those that put their faith in him, they become God's kids. Um, the Bible said in John 8, to a group of people that you're of your father, the devil. Jesus, that, that was it's in red letters. If your Bible's a red letter edition. So some people's father is the devil. If you're not a Christian and God is not your father, then the devil is your father. Sounds harsh. That's Bible. God said it. You know, it's just in there. Um, so understanding that when God says, look, I want to be your father. I'm not by default your father, but I want to be. I want to call you out from the world. I want to call you into relationship with me. I want to, I, I, I did everything you needed done. I sent my son to die for your sins, to pay the penalty for you, wash away your sins, forgive you for all your faults, give you a clean slate. You believe in me, I take you. You become mine. I, I put my Holy Spirit in you. I dwell in you. I want this intimate relationship with you and everything God could do to make it possible, he's done. But you know what? There are some people that with all that God has done, the, the draw of the world and their friends and the things out there, it keeps them from fully surrendering, fully coming. There are people that are fully aware. I know everything Jesus did, but my friends, but my family, but my whatever. And that's why I won't fully come. And to those that are in that battle, I would I would plead with you today that that you wouldn't let anything keep you from intimacy with the Lord, that there won't there's nothing that'll be worth missing a relationship with God in this life. And definitely not in the life to come. There won't be anything that that there's no relationship that'll be worth that. None. What, what could be what could be worth that? What could be worth being with God now? But what could what could be worth missing missing being with the Lord for all eternity? And so, uh, for some of us, there are decisions that need to be made. For some of you guys, there are friendships that need to be you need to make you need to decide that you know what I got I got to distance myself from this. Uh, I can't be that relationship can't be what it's been. I got to figure out a new you know. How, whatever it looks like. And, and I would just say this. I don't believe that our first concern is to be how it affects them. I believe our first concern is to be how does God see it? If you let how it affects them uh, be high up on the list, you might never really honor God in your relationships. And I would say that when I came to the Lord, there were family members that didn't agree. There were relationships that didn't agree. There were close friendships that didn't agree, didn't feel like I, had, I was, you know, I was doing too much, you know, whatever. And in each of those things, it's whatever. At the end of the day, I, I needed to be free. I needed, I needed a relationship with Jesus. I, Satan had me in his clutches and I was in bondage of so many things that I could not shake free. I needed, I needed, I needed God in every way I could have. Him. And if that meant the cost of whatever friendship, that's what it's going to mean. And for some of you guys, that may be what you're contending with. We'll be here after service to pray for you. If you need prayer, if you need someone to walk with you through that, but if you're listening, you say, I got relationships, friendships are things that are definitely in the way of the intimacy that Jesus wants. Then don't just hear this message and leave this place today and don't do something about it. Don't hear this and then just go on and say, wow, that, whew, that really bothered me when I heard that. And then, you know, you're going about your life. But you need to you need to take that to heart. Heed the word of the Lord to you today and listen to what he's told you to do. And whatever adjustments, whatever changes you make those in obedience to him. Um, that all these things might be your reality, that you might be his child, that he might dwell in you, 
that you might be his child, that you would, you would, you would have an intimate, fruitful, thriving relationship with the Lord. And, and, and in God's timing, I believe that as you honor God, God will let your light be a witness to these people. If you really love them, that'll be more important than you're having their friendship today, that you can be a witness to them tomorrow. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he had lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there. So Paul felt led to write another letter to these people, expressing some personal things that he learned on his journey and in his ministry. It would seem that some in the Corinthian church criticized Paul's leadership, and so he found it necessary to defend himself to this church. Communicating this type of message is something that's beneficial at times when you feel misunderstood or misrepresented. Any one of us can face those situations at times too, and so discussing it with the other party is useful. We're so glad you tuned into A Transforming Word, and we'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You can always call or text us, too, for more information, 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time for another edition of A Transforming Word.